Hi, and welcome to the Mito podcast. I am Ashley. And I'm Megan. Today, we are talking to Cliff Gorski, who is the Director of Communications with the United Mitochondrial Disease Foundation. Hi, Cliff. Hi, thank you both for having me. Yes, thank thank you you for being here with us. Uh, So we wanted to get to know you and get to know a little bit more about the United United Mitochondrial Disease Foundation, which I am going to shorten that up just to start us off, and we're going to refer to it as UMDF, which is primarily how a lot of people um, actually get to know you guys, right? Yeah, it is, and, and it is a mouthful, so UMDF okay. is fine. Great. So how about we just start with uh, what is UMDF and how did it begin? So UMDF began back in 1996, and it was started by Chuck Mohan, whose daughter Gina had MELOS. And like most parents, they begin their journey with mitochondrial disease, and Chuck scanned for information about the disease and found what he could find. And remember, this was before the internet boom, so there really wasn't a lot of research tools available for patient families to to use. And as you know, when you say the word mitochondrial disease, people say, mito what? (laughs) And they're very confused as to what the disease actually is. So information was very scant. So Chuck and his wife, Adrian, wanted to create a place where concerned parents could go and gather the information that they needed and uh, resources that were available at the time. They never wanted other parents to go through what they were going through. So Chuck met with several mito-related organizations that were smaller. Everybody was small at that point. And together they decided to form one organization, which is how they formed the United Mitochondrial Disease Foundation, United being the key, and shortened to UMDF. So Gina was just a teenager when she lost her battle with mitochondrial disease. And that caused Chuck to redouble his efforts. And so he based the organization in the basement of his home here in the Pittsburgh area, and he would work day and night um, answering patient concerns and phone calls, and then it gradually went into emails. And Chuck, I might add, is also a business owner. So he was not only juggling his his personal business, but also starting this foundation, which is is quite amazing. So um, from there, he hired um, Kara Strittmatter, my colleague, who is our director of meeting and events. And at the time, Kara served many roles. She was the front door of the organization. So if you called and you had a question, you'd get Kara. And Kara would direct you to the information that you needed. And eventually, over the years, more and more staff came on. Uh, they had uh, you know, development department to try to raise funding for the resources that we provide currently and for the research that we fund. And so now under the leadership of our current president and CEO, Brian Harmon, we have grown into an organization that does everything we can to go fast towards a cure. Um, That is so that we can honor our mission, which is to provide research, education, and support for the diagnosis of mitochondrial disorders. So that in a nutshell is basically how we started. It's it's been quite a journey, and, and I'm excited to say that next year we We'll celebrate our 25th anniversary. So we've been around a little bit. That's amazing. That is awesome. 
Um, and I can, I can understand um, um, being on the parent side of it, just uh, doing whatever you can to research. And uh, I've found through um, our own mighty mito journeys that so many different organizations start off with just a parent trying to find information and you get these beautiful and amazing organizations and foundations that really do help so many families from, from the beginning, from when they're born. Um, so how did you get involved with UMDF? Well, my journey with UMDF started about, well, it'll be 12 years in October. So I was working for, it's, it's kind of a, a, an interesting story. So personally, I do not have any affected children or uh, family members. Um, so what happened was I was working here in Pittsburgh um, in professional sports. And um, I was uh, the vice president of communications and marketing for a professional soccer team here in Pittsburgh. And as time went on, we hired people and one of our employees at the soccer team came over to work for UMDF. And that would be Tanya Hanscom, who is our um, special events uh, manager. And so I could see that I, I was ready for a change. And I saw, and, and let me just say this, I, I had forgotten that Tanya went over to UMDF. I, I, I didn't know where she went. Um, she had worked for me. I knew she went to a foundation, but, you know, it was maybe a year or two out and I, I, I didn't, it didn't hit me that, that she went to UMDF. So I saw this ad for a director of communications for UMDF and I thought, wait a minute, do I know somebody that works there? <laughs> and so um, I emailed Tanya and I said, Tanya, do you know anything about this position? I would be very interested in this. This is right up my alley, helping people um, especially in the kind of communications that, that I do. Um, and I didn't hear anything. <laughs> so that was in August of, of that year and I didn't hear anything. So I asked another coworker, I said, where is Tanya? She's not answering my emails. And the, a coworker that we worked with said, well, don't you remember Tanya's on maternity leave? She's going to have a baby. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but then as fate would have it, Tanya grabbed the email and read it and sent, uh, sent it on to Chuck. And Chuck Mohan called me and, and asked me to come in for an interview. And the rest is history. Here, I, here I've been. And I have to say, you know, one of the things we're very fortunate for in our, in our organization is the longevity of our staff. I mean, mm. I think the, per the person who may have been there, we just hired somebody last year. And prior to that, I think the least tenured person is like nine years. So oh, no. we, have, we have quite longevity and institutional memory at, at UMDF. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, and I, I know it's awesome just for people on the outside to look in and see an organization that doesn't have any turnover because mm -hmm. you can tell that they're happy. And I bet it's amazing for you just to see how much you guys are growing. Um, you're saying uh, Chuck started this pretty much in 96. You're still going strong. And every year you guys grow a little bit more, but you're keeping all of those employees. You, I imagine everyone has to be 
really happy, which as a mom looking in at an organization that is based on helping a child like mine um, is, it's really refreshing. It, it, you feel like you can trust that. We are happy. Um, it's, it's when I, well, when we were able to go into the office, um, it's, it's a second family, but then you have to also understand that we become very connected to our patient family community. So they're like our family too. Um, especially now during the situation we're in right now, a lot of us reach out to our, our patients and families and just check in and see, you know, how are you doing? Do you need anything? So really it, it is a great organization to be part of. I mean, they're, we, we really are all very close. I mean, we do the typical office things with birthday cakes and everything else, but we, we, we also talk outside of working hours. So we are very, we are all very close. That's awesome. I think what's important too, once again, on the parent side is the relationship that you have with the doctors that specialize in mitochondrial disease. I know um, Dr. Richard Haas, who was both of our child's doctor um, and just knowing that you're working with the scientific community and you have such a strong relationship with them and they're a part of your organization. Um, that's just really comforting to know that the information that we are getting from you and the support that we are getting from the UMDF, you know, is based on all these scientific findings and information that are coming from these doctors and the research community. And that's very important. You know, we, we, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because we really do have a great relationship with the scientific and clinical community. And, and you mentioned Dr. Haas and especially out where you are, Dr. Navio, mm -hmm. a couple of other docs out on the West Coast. I mean, they're the heroes uh, where, where we're concerned. I mean, they're on the front lines working hard for our patient families to try to end this, to try to find a treatment. So yeah, we, we were, we're honored. I, I was particularly honored a couple of weeks ago and actually last week when we did a webcast um, on the coronavirus, especially the first one, because patient families had so many questions and concerns and it was- Yes, I was on that call. <laughs> good. Good. And we tried to get through everything that a parent or a patient would need to know. Mm -hmm. And for Dr. Kendall and Dr. Parikh and Dr. Cohen and Dr. Goldstein um, to basically give up an hour and a half of their precious time, because I'm sure they're tired, Absolutely. and answer every question that came in. Um, and then last week with the doctors, we, we did a follow-up. Um, they're, they're, they're special people. They really are. Definitely. It was very beneficial. Your mito.calls calls that you do in general. Um, it's just a really great place for parents and families to get information. I know once the coronavirus or COVID-19 hit that, you know, we're scrambling to talk to our doctors and see what our plan is and what do we do. And, you know, you came out with that call and, you know, all those doctors sitting there and it just really, you know, we know we didn't have a lot of information and the doctors didn't have a lot of information, but it still really put my mind at ease as a parent listening to all the answers to the questions that we all had. And those are so beneficial if families ever get a chance to listen into those and the different topics that those are amazing and it's well worth your time. And we appreciate the doctors and the UMDF doing um, those types of calls. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. And look forward to more of those types of um, webcasts in the future. We've got one we haven't announced it yet, but I, it's going to be on um, May 27th. Kara mm -hmm. um, and Margaret Moore, who is uh, our patient coordinator, 
um, they are going to be talking to a doc about, and you know, we're all in, we're all indoors. We're all dealing with um, seeing everyone in our family more than we, we have if we go out of the house to work. We all have things to do during the day. We're working. We've got cats climbing behind us. And (laughs) so um, that webcast is really going to deal with a lot of the um, issues uh, of isolation and and things like that. And and I will be sending out an e-blast about that webcast on Monday. So if anybody's interested in that, watch your email or um, go to our events calendar on the website at umdf.org and you can register for that. I think that's going to be an important web webcast as well. Absolutely. So for UMDF, um, I know that you guys do a few different um, events that help to uh, fundraise um, and you also are set up so that uh, actually the, the easiest way that I've seen, um, which seems like it has become easier is Facebook because you're now a charity on there and it's really easy just to click a button and, and donate. But where, so all of these donations that you guys get, how, what do you guys do with them? How, um, what do they go towards? Well, as you might expect, we're, we're very, um, fiscally responsible with those donations. And the best way I could answer that question for you right now would be to direct anybody that's interested to see what we do and the impact that we make is to go to umdf.org forward slash impact. Now, it's there that I think you will see how the generosity of our donors translates into support education and research for the community. So let's talk about the dollars. Where do they go? Because um, as I said, we really work to maximize them. So 93% of everybody's donation goes to our mission. And I'm proud of that because um, that shows that 7% goes to administrative costs. And when you look at organizations, you want to look at that number. And that number is, in terms of other foundations, relatively good. Yes. That's um, low. Mm-hmm. So that goes to show that you, uh, our donors, that we are really maximizing our ability to um, put the money where our mission dictates we put it. So right now, I'm thinking that if, if I'm remembering on that uh, webpage, about 40% of our income is directed to our scientific portfolio. So what does that mean? Well, that's how research gets funded, which um, last year, you know, we, we funded, last June, we funded um, several projects. Uh, we were involved in a, an Elise syndrome and, and continually uh, are involved in a Elise syndrome um, project. That portfolio also includes um, our community patient registry, which um, is is very instrumental to helping our patient families find treatments and cures because that helps us direct people to clinical trials that may be on the horizon or currently enrolling. And it also helps our Science Alliance officer, Dr. Phil Yeski, um, take advantage of really, and, and he's fantastic at this, at scanning the globe to find only the best science that makes sense um, that is going to advance treatments and potential cures. So that's where one part of the money goes. 
So about 24, 25% goes to patient education and support. And that really ranges from providing in-person and online support meetings, educational opportunities, such as the uh, symposium, of course, I'm sure you've heard that we've had to not go to um, Phoenix in June because of the safety concerns of our patient families. You certainly don't want to travel, well, not that it's even possible, but you don't want to travel. And with this all going on and having a, a, a compromised person in your home. Um, so we have that. Um, of course, we also spend money on our advocacy effort. And, and I'm heavily involved in that portion of it. So let me explain to you a little bit about that. Um, the advocacy effort is our presence in Washington, D.C. Uh, we have, it will be every third year now, um, an annual day on the Hill where we take about 150 patients and families up to the Capitol and I arrange for them to have meetings with their congressmen and their senators. And we basically educate them on um, what our issues are and how they can ask for help on those issues and get things done. Uh, we also have a Congressional Mitochondrial Disease Caucus. Several of your congressmen and women from California are on that caucus um, because patient families ask them to be. And they educate their colleagues about the issues that impact our patient families. So what are those issues? Well, one of those issues that's currently a hot topic and we're working very hard on is to get um, medical nutritional foods and supplements covered under insurance plans. A lot of plans don't cover that and out-of-pocket costs can be very high for patient families. So we have a bill in the house and we've just been told that the, a companion bill has been introduced in the United States Senate. So with those two bills, we can get co-sponsorship and hopefully move that forward towards enactment. Um, we also are very proud of the fact that uh, we have been able to, through this caucus, through our meetings in DC, um, to have the Department of Defense fund research for mitochondrial disease and dysfunction. And how we got into the Department of Defense, and I, and I chuckle at this story because when I said, you know, they've got a pile of money for research. Why aren't we in there? And we were told, oh, never will happen. Huge lift, never gonna happen. Well, we've got some great people in DC and our board member, Rick Leach, who worked diligently on um, having Congress include mitochondrial dysfunction and disease in the DOD congressionally directed medical research program. Um, so that funding alone in the last five years that we're in, and we have to reapply every year, um, has affected more than $23 million in research to our, our scientists and our clinicians uh, working on mitochondrial disease. So we're, we're very happy with that. So the small amount of money we put into advocacy has turned into a huge amount of money for research. So those are just some of the ways that we allocate our dollars. Um, and, and again, you can look at our, our report on, on umdf.org forward slash impact and read some pretty compelling stories about our researchers and our patient families and see some of the events and how we actually allocate the funds that we are so generously given. 
That's amazing. Um, you mentioned uh, the symposium and um, I've actually been to four, four of the symposiums and I think it's such an amazing experience for a parent to be able to connect with the scientific community. Um, I know you do, there's so many different meetings on so many different topics. Um, and there's also a chance to actually make appointments to talk to the specific doctors that attend the meetings. Um, right. And it's, it's, it's not an experience that maybe everyone can have because they're typically you know, out of state or in different areas. Um, but then there are also a lot of things that are posted online, um, a lot of the PowerPoints and the different things so people can access that information. So can you tell us a little bit about the symposium? I know this year's is um, obviously canceled in a sense. Um, I did see that there might be a virtual option for some of the information. Um, so what, what is the symposium and what um, is the purpose of those? So what you said is exactly what happens and, and I would encourage anybody who thinks they may be able to come when we can do that in person, mm -hmm. um, probably in Charlotte, North Carolina next year. Well, not probably, it's going to be in Charlotte mm -hmm. um, in 2021. Um, and the reason why I encourage people if cost is a, is a barrier we do offer scholarships, so that um, you know we do try to help out with travel and accommodations and and, and such. But getting back to your question, um, it is the single largest gathering of our community, uh, where parents, patients, caregivers uh, interact with the researchers and the clinicians who are actually doing the work. Um, it's also a tremendous opportunity for patient families to network. Um, there's a lot of opportunity for that. So I think one of the, the coolest things that happens is some a, a parent may think that their child is the only one that they know of that has this mutation. And then when they come to symposium, they find somebody that's going through the same thing with the same mutation. So it's really helpful. Um, for our scientists and our clinicians, it is the place where the latest groundbreaking information is released to them. It is the place where um, everybody can get an update on clinical trial progress, um, where we talk about new treatments that may be on the horizon. Um, we offer that typically, and, and as you said, it's not gonna happen this year, but typically we offer that over four days for the scientific and medical community. Patient and families, that meeting is, is a two-day meeting. And we have a lot of different um, topics. Um, basically, there, there are topics for parents and caregivers and patients who are just beginning their journey. And then there are topics for um, patients who are a little bit further along on their journey. There are special gatherings for teens and young adults. There are special gatherings for adults. So there are a number of different opportunities for everybody to learn and we're, we're really proud of it. And Kara and our staff works really hard all year round in, in putting that together. Um, I believe that we will return to your neck of the woods, not your state, but we will return to Phoenix in 2022. We're trying to do that so that we can all be together. And, you know, it's, it's interesting that, that you mentioned Dr. Haas because he was one of the co-chairs of the scientific meeting, uh, he and Dr. Navio for this summer, but that I understand will bump to 
2022. Oh, okay. So let's talk about what is coming up. So not to um, leave our, our community without anything this summer, we are planning what we call Power Surge, and it's going to be virtual. Um, it's not going to be four days, obviously. It'll be a day for um, scientific and, and clinical uh, participants, and I think that's going to be on June the 26th. Then on June the 27th, patients and families can virtually uh, meet and hear presentations. And for patients and families, there will be no charge. You just register and, and get the code and you can come in and watch what you care to watch and take a break or stay all day. Um, so we're really excited about it. Uh, again, you'll be hearing more about that probably next week. Um, we're, we're working right now to um, prepare the e-blast and the registration links, but we're, we're moving forward. We definitely feel that um, information at this time is very critical to the community and we want to make sure that we provide that information and not not skip a beat thank you we appreciate that <laughs> yeah that's that's awesome you know you hear in a time like this all these different conferences that are being canceled or um, just events in general that people are unable to get to and it's so important to have something yeah. like this that people look forward to um, and, and I think this is also kind of be a breakthrough for the future. Um, you're able to do these virtual things. Whereas when UMDF came in 1996, um, I just, we've, uh, we, I talk like I'm part of UMDF. It's just come so far and we're in a, in a time where we get to utilize all this technology and, and maybe, Maybe in the future, it's something for, like we were saying before, it's really hard for Mito families to travel for obvious reasons. And maybe this will be something that in future conferences will be available for those who can't come or who can't travel from state to state. Um, well, I don't, I don't think I'm going out on a limb um, in saying this, but um, I know that our CEO and president, Brian Harmon, is very committed to making virtual experiences part of our existence. I think what you're saying is entirely possible. In fact, not entirely. I think we will probably look to do a lot of that. Um, I don't see why we couldn't make, and I know Brian feels the same way. He, he's, he's given us the charge to do it, to make some of these meetings virtual so that, as you said, you can't travel with a sick kid. Uh, you can't travel across the country. Um, and, and there may be barriers. So we're working to break those barriers down and really make this a, a, a virtual um, component as we move forward with these types of meetings. So if, if anything good came out of the coronavirus, this would be one of them for our organization. Right. I think that's actually a good lead into finding out what resources are available to families who are finding out about Mito. Because I know when you first find out, it's pretty overwhelming. You don't expect to have that meeting with your doctor, but it happens. And what what is out there? What do you do? Yeah, so you know, you 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 said it best. I think when um, a patient or parent hears the word mitochondrial disease, um, you know, it, it, first of all, your first question: Well, what is that? Exactly. Um, 
And then when you get into it, um, you know, you know, you could be a panicked mom or dad and you're wondering, well, what do I do now? Where do I go? What do I? So that's why we have the UMDF website. Um, and you'll be seeing a lot of changes in that coming this summer too. Um, so I can tell you on our website that the number one page that people visit is what is mitochondrial disease and you can you can follow it i mean you know it's apparent you can follow it because it goes from what is mitochondrial disease to um, symptoms to diagnosis to treatments and and that's that's the progression that's the beginning of the journey and the website's very good at kind of helping somebody get a really quick read on what they've heard and 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 what they need to do. Um, so that's a resource. But in addition to that, we've also recognized that uh, we need to do more. And in order to do more, we really want to start doing um, uh, more video presentations with doctors. It might be just a short snippet from a doc on what is mitochondrial disease. So we're building out a whole bunch of different um, resources in that regard. Um, Usually what happens, just walking you through the journey, and I don't have to walk you through it, you've been there. <laughs> um, but for people that may not be familiar, after you've come to our website, the next typical step for um, a parent or a patient is to contact UMDF or another patient advocacy organization. Um, when you contact us, you're going to get a dedicated individual, Margaret Moore, who will navigate for you. She will, so you call and you say, okay, I've got this diagnosis. I don't know, what doctor do I, so what, what, what do I do? Where am I going next? And Margaret can walk you through that. She can find a doctor in your area. Uh, she can provide all the resource materials that we have, uh, whether it's information to bring to this doctor, uh, one of the important things that we have is the ER protocols paperwork. Um, you know, a lot of kids go to the ER and parents don't, you're dealing with doctors that don't really see mitochondrial disease in an ER. And so they, there's some paperwork that they can give them the do's and don'ts. Um, the other important resource, and, and we've start, as we've started with these webcasts with um, Ask the Mito Doc, is the actual Ask the Mito Doc. Um, at Symposium, you can do this face-to-face. -face. Online, you can ask your question and submit it um, in a form that we have under Ask the Mito Doc. And Margaret will forward that to one of our wonderful Mito Doc specialists who will read the question and answer you. Of course, it's not a question that is an, of an emergent nature. It's gotta be something, you know, you might, you might have something about a G-tube or, or something you wanna ask. So we can, we can help there. Uh, we also have the YouTube channel, which we're starting to populate with more and more informational videos. So I would suggest um, parents, patients to go over to the YouTube channel and take a look at that. Um, also, I think one of a couple of things that, that serve as a resource, 
one of the things that I love to do every year, and I know our staff does because we do this in Pittsburgh as well as in 25 to 28 other markets across the country, is our Energy for Life walk. So an Energy for Life walk, um, yes, it is a fundraiser, but really it's an amazing celebration of patient families that come to these events. And we get to see them. And in your community, you get to see everybody. And it's really a, a networking and a, and a togetherness um, that, that is unparalleled. It's, it's wonderful. Um, and I think that's a great, a great support resource as well. And so those are some of the things that we do. Um, one other thing I, I, I would say, and I, and I don't mean to sound partial only because I, 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 it's in my, in my department is our advocacy effort. I would strongly encourage any adult affected individual or parent to become a UMDF advocate because we can't change insurance if we only have five voices. We need a community behind us to change that and make that good for the patient families. And you can go to uh, the website umdf.org forward, forward slash advocate and sign up to become an advocate. And it's, it's, it's simple. Uh, we have an advocacy action center where you can basically go in, click a button, add your name, address, um, and, and zip code an email and it will find your congressman or woman and your two United States senators and immediately send a letter of support for some of the things that we're doing. If there's a local issue, if there's something where you are and you want us to advocate for it and you email me with that, we can research it and see if, it's, if, if we can do that. We have um, an action item in there right now for uh, residents of Massachusetts. So it's just not federal, it's, it's state too. So those are some of the resources that we have. Um, one of the biggest resources that we have is our mitochondrial disease community patient registry, um, MDCR for short. And if you're not in it, uh, we would encourage that you, that you uh, participate. Um, and, and you'll be hearing more about that over the summer as we try to build that. And why is that important? Because we know that clinical trials are gonna happen. We know they need patients to participate. Um, it's totally private. UMDF does not see any of the information. You control your, your privacy settings on that. So we don't, we don't see any of that. But it's a way for you as a patient to get information about clinical trials and possibly participate. Um, we also do, I, I think one of the neatest things that's happening right now is uh, is our online, we're, we've had to go to virtual support meetings, which is kind of funny because um, the kids and teens um, and young adults are doing a Friday night thing where they all get together and they look forward to this. Mm -hmm. they, they, um, they gather on Friday evenings and they look forward to it. And all those virtual support meetings are on the events calendar on the website. So if you're interested, please, by all means, log on and, and participate. That's awesome. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you um, want to add? Gosh, I've talked about so much. I, I <laughs> we covered a lot. <laughs> I know. I mean, you know, your questions are fantastic. I no, I just think that we're so very honored to be able to um, support our patient family community, especially now, mm -hmm. now more than ever. Um, 
and and we we really are honored to be able to do that. We're honored to be able to work with some of the best clinicians and, and researchers in the world. And uh, and we just want everybody to know that we're always we're always here. We're always here. We're always here to help. And we as the parents appreciate that because I know uh, when my son Troy was first diagnosed, the UMDF was one of the first websites I came across. And you do have so many resources and so many things that um, just gives the parent, especially who's first finding out, and maybe their doctor doesn't necessarily know that much about mitochondrial disease. Um, and I didn't even know that you um, will put them in contact with different doctors. We were fortunate to be immediately placed in Dr. Haas's care. Um, but that is such a huge thing is having a doctor treating your child that has, you know, the information that you need and your website and your organization is amazing in doing that. And we are so grateful. And any parents that are out there listening to us today that have not checked out the UMDF, um, it's definitely an excellent resource for so many different areas. And I'm glad you talked about the um, disease, mitochondrial disease community registry too. Um, we are a part of that. And I do think that that's very important in order for us to progress and give those doctors information on our children or on ourselves if um, we are affected and just we need to find a cure. And so we are grateful, so grateful to the UMDF. Well, thank you. And, and thank you for being involved in MDCR. And I, and I could only encourage others to do it because we're, it's, it's really one of the roadmaps to treatments and cures. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for meeting with us today. Um, if anyone is curious about UMDF, just go to umdf.org. Uh, some of the websites that we also covered today are umdf.org uh, slash impact and umdf.org slash advocate. Um, and keep uh, your eyes open for the power surge, which will be virtual June 27th. Um, and uh, patients and families can be uh, part of this at no charge and you can tune in at any time, um, which I think is very exciting. And you have a YouTube channel. So we have all of these different ways to connect with UMDF. So if you are curious about it, if you've been on your journey for a while and you just want more information, please, please look up those websites. And follow, um, us, on, follow us on Facebook and Twitter too, because yes. a lot of support happens there too. Awesome. Um, well, again, we are the Mito podcast. Uh, we're just two moms uh, talking about our Mito journeys in hopes that it will help you on yours. Yes, and thank you so much, Cliff, for being with us today. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely.